The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. All right, good morning, church. My name's Kelly, and one of the pastors here at Grace, and this is my first time celebrating uh, Palm Sunday with Grace on the Ashley. I've been here about one year, going on one year, and I'm grateful to be celebrating our King Jesus with all of you, and thank you all for joining us in worship. Now, uh, thanks is actually a very important theme for today. Saying thank you is actually something we have to learn, right? Uh, kids are always fun to watch and <laughs> as they learn to say thank you, right? Uh, when kids are young, they often don't know how to respond to much at all. And so you, you say something like, hey, you're a really talented kid. And their reply is, okay. And so the parent has to say something like, hey, you're supposed to say thank you when someone says something kind to you. Well, let's say a stranger comes up and does something kind for them and the parents say, say thank you. And the kid either repeats thank you or they shy away behind their parents. But everybody understands they're just kids, right? But then you have adults who struggle to say thank you, and things get a lot weirder, a whole lot weirder. Uh, I mean, what if a friend comes to your house to help you move, and at the end of the day, you just say, uh, see you on Thursday. Uh, that's kind of rude, isn't it? You're supposed to say thank you. You're supposed to acknowledge that they have done something kind for you. If your mechanic fixes your car and then says, hey, this time's on the house, would you say, great, I'll call you next time? No, you thank them and you show your gratitude. To say thank you is, uh, to other people is to reciprocate kindness and gratitude for what they've done. And when we don't say thank you, it can be weird or rude, especially if it's kind of a, a big deal that they've done for you. And especially if it's someone close to you or if it's somebody of some notoriety. You know, just last week, the passage that Pastor Greg taught, uh, we learned that we are unworthy servants of God, that we don't deserve thank yous for just doing our job. It's our job. We're just supposed to serve. It is our responsibility to serve God. It's a lesson in humility. But in today's passage, it's clear who does deserve thanks and even praise. It's Jesus, and he is worthy of even more than we could ever give him. We're going to learn about 10 lepers who came to Jesus for healing, but only one of them had the heart to come back and thank them. And that man might not be who you would expect. It certainly wasn't who most of the Jews would have expected at that time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. That's Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. If you're using your Bible that you found in the back of the seat in front of you, it's on page 876, just to make it easy. And for your convenience, it'll also be on the screen. So it's Luke 17, Verses 11 through 19, hear the word of the Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like this leper who was healed. I pray that you would help us to be men and women who give thanks to the Lord for all that you have done for us because it is un. Uh, it's immeasurable how much you have done for your people. So may today for some of us be a turning point where we say thank you for the first time and acknowledge your lordship and your, the fact that you are our savior. But I pray, Lord, that for the rest of us who have already received Jesus in faith, that this would be an opportunity for us to draw near to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, let's, let's go back a little bit and remind ourselves where we are in the Gospel of Luke. I think this is a helpful practice for us to just recognize where we're at. Since chapter 9, and keep in mind we're in chapter 17 now, Jesus has had his face set toward Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross of crucifixion. And... Uh, Sorry, I lost my place. He's going to pay the horrible price for our sin, and he's going to do it for us. In the beginning of our text, it states for the third, this is the third time it's mentioned that he's going to Jerusalem. This is the final time in the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and this was the final stretch. While he's on his way, Jesus teaches a lot of parables, and he performs miracles from town to town. He is constantly proving the truth of who he claims to be. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And as we mentioned earlier, this is Palm Sunday, where we commemorate um, that the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem humbly on a donkey, and the people laid their cloaks and palm branches down before him while they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us. Save now. That's what Hosanna means. That's what we've been singing. They expect him to begin his earthly reign and begin to overthrow their Roman overlords, but he doesn't do it the way that they expect. And as a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons that they crucify him. The events of Palm Sunday are only two chapters ahead of where we are right now. We're in Luke 17, and the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday is in Luke 19, so we're very close to 
Palm Sunday. So when Jesus heals these 10 lepers, he's just north of Jerusalem in Galilee where he spent most of his time. And he's heading through Samaria, he's on the edge of Samaria, going south where Jews preferred to either pass very quickly through Samaria or avoid the area altogether. The typical Jew was not fond of the Samaritans, but we'll get to that later. Jesus passes through Samaria and he performs a miracle to show his love and care for the people who lived there. And this is where our story begins today. And now that you have some context for our narrative, I want to provide you with a biblical truth. Now remember, the biblical truth is the main point of our passage today, and all of the other points, all the other truths that we're going to talk about will prove this point to be true, because it's the main point of the passage. Here it is. Jesus is the healing king to whom all thanks and praise is due from all people. Jesus is the healing king to whom all thanks and praise is due from all people. Jesus is the good king. He is the best king. He deserves all the praise and thanksgiving from all the people on the face of the earth throughout all history. But that's not exactly how it's gone, has it? We often forget to praise Jesus and give him thanks for all that he's done. And mankind has forgotten to praise him from the very beginning. When God created the whole world and put people in it, he breathed his breath into Adam, giving him life. He provided for Adam and his wife Eve. They walked with him in the Garden of Eden. And what did they do in return? They did the same exact thing that we do all the time. They disobeyed him, and they forsook his ways after God had done so much for them. So ever since Adam and Eve, we human beings have been sick and in bondage to sin, prone to pride, stained by the original sin and overtaken by death. We forsake the beauty of God, For the crudeness of idols, we deny the authority of God and rely on our own false wisdom. We claim ownership of our lives and disrupt the true natural order of us being in submission to our creator. And as C.S. Lewis puts it, we play with mud pies while a holiday vacation has been offered to us. And before we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are all sick. We're plagued with sin and corruption and death. We are dead in the trespasses of our sin. And physical sickness and disease is part of the curse that the sin that we committed has brought into the world. Now, it's not that all of our sickness is caused by our own direct sinful actions, But sickness and disease is a result of the sin that entered the world. And it's not, it was not uh, part of God's original perfect good creation. And these ten lepers were experiencing the fallenness of the world on their very skin. And Jesus was kind enough to relieve their anguish. And this is where we see our first supporting truth. Number one. No matter your circumstances, 
King Jesus can heal you. No matter your circumstances, King Jesus can heal you. It doesn't mean that he will cure your physical diseases immediately, but he will one day. The lepers were in dire need of healing, and he chose to meet their need immediately. Now, you may be surprised to know what lepers had to go through when they received their first century diagnosis of leprosy. If you think your circumstances are bad, let's look at them. Leprosy would cause skin problems of varying degrees. In the worst cases, people could lose parts of their body and eventually die. But this was only part of the problem. The moment someone was diagnosed with leprosy in the first century, they had to remove themselves from the society as they had always known it. By law, in the Jewish culture, they were literally had to move into a leper colony or go off on their own. It was such a terrible disease, and it was so contagious that society had to, could, they could not risk these poor people sticking around because others would contract the disease. Also, the leper would not be allowed into the temple, obviously, because they were not allowed in society. But the law wouldn't even allow them to enter into worship. So they couldn't worship with their fellow Jews. And Jewish worship, or worship was a central aspect of the Jewish culture. And if you had to go into town, if you just had to go into town, you had to yell, unclean, unclean to keep others from risking ritual uncleanness by accidentally touching you. So leprosy meant not only disease and pain, it meant loss of home, loss of family, becoming a social outcast, and being unable to worship the way that a Jew should. It was a terrible circumstance for anyone. You were in bondage to your disease, and often there was no cure. But let's just take a look at what happened. These ten lepers had heard of Jesus and his ability to heal, and Jesus visited their town. So they stood at a distance, and they called Jesus their master and asked for his mercy in the form of healing is what they were looking for. And what's remarkable is actually the very unremarkable way that Jesus heals them. Now, wouldn't you expect if it were you and I that there would be some sort of ceremony, some ritual, some drama that Jesus could drum up just to draw attention to his miraculous healing abilities? Well, that's not what Jesus did. These are his exact words to the lepers in verse 14, and this seems to be all he said. Go and show yourselves to the priests. That's it. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Jesus often healed people in pretty cool ways, but he never intended to put on a show when he was doing it. He always had reasons for the, the ways that he healed people. And in today's story, Jesus was proving the authority of his very words. Jesus just says, go show yourself to the priests. That's all. It's almost as if the interaction only occurred for a few seconds, 
And the lepers weren't even close to him. They were at a distance. They weren't even nearby. And Jesus states that as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus commands them to go, and they were healed as he obeyed their command, or as they obeyed his command. There's no show. It's just a powerful word, simply amazing that Jesus could just heal. Reminds you of creation, doesn't it? When God just spoke planets and the sun all into existence. It's simply amazing. The odds were completely stacked against the lepers ever becoming well. That is, until Jesus came into the picture. But no disease, no distance, no uncleanness, no social ostracization could keep Jesus from healing these lepers. And it was simple for him. It was easy. And I bet as they went, their leprous sores would cause them so much pain. And as they went, you know, they could have been missing body parts from this disease. But as they ran, they probably felt their pain subsiding. They felt their skin becoming supple and smooth. And I bet their adrenaline and their joy just skyrocketed. (laughs) They probably ran so fast through the village They drew the eyes of every single person around them. No more unclean, unclean. Instead, there was probably other kinds of loud shouts and laughter, maybe even tears of joy for all that they knew they were about to regain. Family, homes, and acceptance into society. It's beautiful, isn't it? Now, there, there are a couple of reasons why Jesus would tell them to go to the priest. It might seem like an odd thing to say, but it had made a lot of sense. First, the law of God said that the priests were the gatekeepers for declaring that leprosy was healed and that a person was ritually clean again and they could continue on in normal worship. So Jesus was honoring the law like he always does. Jesus always honors the law of God. And then second... He was also proving his identity to the local religious leaders. Remember, he's on the move now, and he's proving who he is to everybody. You can imagine, you can only imagine, what 10 known lepers coming to the priest all at the same time with no leprosy, how the priests would interpret that miraculous information. I bet they were stunned. The locals received the confirmation that Jesus really was the Messiah. And only God knows if the priests believed in Jesus. That story is yet to be known. Maybe in an unknown story, some of them did. Church, Jesus is the healing king. He does heal, and that includes both you and me. You and I may not have leprosy, but I can be certain that we Both have ailments that plague us. We are plagued by pride, lust, good deeds left undone, hidden sins, people-pleasing rather than God-pleasing, lack of love, disbelief, impatience, unfaithfulness. The list goes on and on. These are the plagues that afflict us. But rest assured... 
that King Jesus, the king who brings his kingdom wherever he goes, will heal you from your spiritual diseases the way that he's healed me if you just ask, believe in him, and give him glory. Everywhere Jesus went, he was bringing his kingdom, and there will be no sickness in his kingdom. You're going to hear Greg preach all about uh, the kingdom in a week or two. These, the, the healing of these lepers was just one small act of his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Now allow me to read verses 15 and 16 again because I, I want to show you something quite remarkable. It's an aspect that I believe most people miss in this story. Look at verses 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, it's beautiful to see this former leper returning to Jesus to give him thanks. But there's more to this picture than just thanksgiving. It has to do with reconciliation. The law demanded that lepers live outside of normal society. We've already talked about that. So when they asked Jesus to heal them, they stood at a distance. But church, where is the former leper when he gives thanks? Where is he? It's right at Jesus' feet. What we must recognize as we read this story to give the glory to the Lord in the way that he deserves is that he does more than just heal us. He also draws us near to himself. And that's our second supporting truth. Number two, King Jesus will not only heal you, he will draw you near to himself. When Jesus cleansed this leper, only this leper accepted the invitation that he was given. Sickness and impurity were not allowed in the temple where Jews worshipped. These things were unclean, and God is absolutely holy and pure. So God forbids certain diseases from being brought into his temple. But this leper was different than the rest because he didn't just go to the synagogue or the temple when he saw that he was healed, he recognized an essential aspect of the identity of Jesus. He recognized Jesus' divinity. And he accepted the invitation to worship. Now church, do you realize that every time Jesus does something good in your life, you have been given an invitation. In those situations, God is saying, Draw near. Come. Give thanks to me. You have been cleansed. You are personally invited into your creator's presence. Jesus met this leper's desperate need and scripture says that when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet this time, giving him thanks. And make no mistake, the leper recognized who he was thanking, at least in some way. The word used here for giving Jesus thanks is used many times in the New Testament, but only toward 
God. There's one time that it's used for somebody else, quote unquote, somebody else. And it's in this passage, it's used toward Jesus. And as we know, Jesus is God, the second person of the Trinity. This leper was worshiping God. He gave thanks and praise to the God who healed him. And he drew near to God because he knew that he had received an invitation and he no longer needed to be at a distance. Church, when was the last time you accepted the invitation to draw near to God? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. If you've received Jesus in faith, he's always near to you by his Holy Spirit that indwells you. But when was the last time you acknowledged his presence with heartfelt thanks and praise? Maybe maybe it was today when you gathered with the church or maybe gathering with the church was just part of what you do to be socially accepted in your own world. I can't see your heart, so there's no condemnation there. I don't know what your heart is, is, is uh, how your heart is reacting in this situation, but it's something that we do need to evaluate in our own hearts and ask God to change if needed. Have you accepted the invitation to give thanks and praise to Jesus? This leper bowed at the feet of Jesus because he was acknowledging the power and the authority of the God-man who simply spoke words and his words were powerful enough to heal the sores that covered his body. What more appropriate reaction is there than shouting for joy and then humbly laying at Jesus' feet when he heals us? Recognize what Jesus has done for you, and don't let your praise go unsaid. Jesus saves, and he is worthy of our praise. Now to continue, let let me read the response that Jesus gave the leper who returned to give thanks. This is found in Luke 17, 16 through 19. Verses 16 through 19, I'm going to back up a little bit and read a little bit that I've already read, but hear the word of the Lord here. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Luke, the author of this gospel, gives us a very important detail right before Jesus' response. He says, now, He was a Samaritan. And remember, Samaritans were considered unclean from the get-go. They were the people in Israel who intermarried with the Babylonians when the Babylonian Empire took over, and this was in direct disobedience to the law that God had given them. Not only that, they also worshipped on a different temple mount, on Mount Gerizim, rather than in Jerusalem. And they also had their own writings, not just the writings of the Jews, So there was a lot about the Samaritans that could make the Jews frown upon their actions. But only the Samaritan leper came back to thank Jesus. We can assume that the others were Jewish by the way that Jesus spoke. And Jesus responds by asking three rhetorical questions. Weren't ten lepers there? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to give thanks and praise to God 
except for this foreigner. Now, I know that that kind of sounds rude out of Jesus' mouth, but the word foreigner is actually a respectful term in the Greek wording. Jews would not normally use respectful language like that toward Samaritans, but Jesus did. You might even imagine Jesus saying these words with a smile on his face because of his pleasure with this Samaritan. According to uh, theologian Trent Butler, Jesus showed the superiority of the foreign man of faith to the Jewish men who lacked true faith. Only the Samaritan showed true faith. Let that sink in. Sometimes when you hear this passage taught, you might get the idea that the other nine were just completely ungrateful, like they were healed and just kind of went off and did their own thing. I, can't, I just don't believe that's true. I think there's just more to the story than just a flat reading. Anyone who is healed of a disease like leprosy, no matter who you are, would be thankful. So I'm sure that they were thankful. I'm sure that they shouted for joy at their healing. But the difference is absolutely tremendous from the Samaritan and the other nine. The other nine gave thanks for the gift, but the Samaritan gave thanks for the giver. The Samaritan received the gift and also recognized the divinity of Jesus. How do we know this? Well, we've already mentioned one reason. He praised Jesus the way that, Jesus, that other people praise God in Scripture, but the second reason is because Jesus uses these words, rise, go on your way, your faith has made you well. That's a little confusing, isn't it? Because the others were made well too, right? Well, physically, yes, they were healed. But it seems that the Jewish lepers only had faith that Jesus would heal them physically. They did not have faith in Jesus himself. The evidence of their lack of saving faith is found in their lack of expression to glorify the Son of God. But the Samaritan returned to glorify Jesus. Glorifying Jesus, friends, is absolutely necessary for saving faith. We must give Jesus thanks and praise. The Samaritan saw something that we need to see, and it's our third supporting truth. Number three. King Jesus is the priceless treasure offered to all people. King Jesus is the priceless treasure offered to all people. The Samaritan knew that Jesus was the treasure, not just the healing. And I'm sure the Jewish lepers were grateful to be healed, but their treasure was not necessarily in Jesus. They received their gift in full, and it was found in their life on earth. But the Samaritan's gift is eternal. He found physical and spiritual healing because he proved that he understood the worthiness of Jesus. Jesus was the treasure, and he leapt and he shouted, and he gave glory to God by worshiping Jesus. Now, maybe the Jewish lepers, you know, maybe they saw that Jesus was just a prophet. 
I mean, Elisha told Naaman in the Old Testament to go to the Jordan and dunk himself seven times and that he would be cleansed from leprosy. And Elisha wasn't God. So the lesson here is more than just the thankfulness of the Samaritan. It's also about who the Samaritan trusted enough to worship. The Samaritan worshipped Jesus as God, and he knew Jesus was not just some prophet. Now, the Samaritan didn't say, you are God, to Jesus, who knows the hearts of men. But Jesus, by his words, acknowledges what he sees in this Samaritan's heart, that he believed in him, not just in the healing. And Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, tells us that there are some people who may taste the goodness of God, and still fall away. This seems to be the sort of thing that happened to the Jewish lepers. Church, will that be us? Will that be us? Will we accept the good gifts of Jesus, but never actually put our faith in him? The Jewish lepers, they walked away physically healed, They seem to have lacked the saving faith of the Samaritan. Church, do not fail to give glory to Jesus, not just in your words, but with your life. Make him your treasure. Accept the invitation to draw near and receive him in faith. There's a bit more for us to learn from this story. Jesus is the treasure of those who put their faith in him. But we must remember that the treasure is not limited to one group of people. Jesus is available to all people. Jesus, the treasure of the world, makes himself available to even the unclean Samaritans. Even drunkards, even the poor, even the rich, even the self-righteous, the prostitute, the Muslim, the swindler, the homeless, the mom and dad who yells at their kids, the person who is addicted to pornography, the one who hates his neighbor, the gossiper, and the incessantly foolish person. Jesus is available to all people. Take comfort. He is the treasure available to the mentally ill. He's the one who is available to the crippled by anxiety, to the abused, to the forsaken, to the immigrant, to the orphan and the widow. He's available to Americans, both Republican and Democrat. And he's available to the Jews, to the Arabs, to the Chinese, to the Brazilian, the Zambian, to the Australian. And all throughout history, he's available to everyone. Jesus offers his salvation, his miraculous healing power, his power to save from the plague of sin. He offers it to every person in the world And there's enough treasure to go around for all eternity to all people. Because Jesus is the healing king to to whom all thanks and praise is due 
from all people. Only one person can save us, church. His name is Jesus, and he is God incarnate. Now, on Palm Sunday, about 2,000 years ago, a man who surged with the love of God, who was the full radiance of the glory of God, he rode into Jerusalem on this humble donkey, and the people acknowledged him as the Messiah, while they cried, Hosanna, and laid their cloaks and palm branches before him. It was not a week later, church, and Jerusalem was killing him. Now, Jesus knew this would happen. He knew it. That's why he instituted the Lord's Supper on that Thursday. That's why he washed the disciples' feet. That's why he told Judas to just finish his betrayal. Do what you're going to do. That's why he told Peter that violence was not the way forward. Because Jesus was going to take the entirety of humanity's violence toward God and he was going to take it upon himself. He was going to absorb the hatred and sin of humanity on the cross on himself. The Son of God, Jesus, He died that Friday. He died. He did this for you. He did it for me. And he did it for the whole wide world. And he is worthy of thanks and praise for what he's done. And that Saturday was pretty silent. The dead body of the Son of God was lying cold in a tomb. But church Sunday morning, before the women arrived to take care of the body, Jesus rose from the dead. And I'm not talking about just spiritually rising. He rose from the dead bodily. And news spread like wildfire. And it is still spreading today in my very words to you. But I would like to believe that when that Samaritan, because it spread through all the area, when that Samaritan leper received word that Jesus had walked right out of that tomb and that there were multitudes of testimonies that he was yet alive again, I can imagine that his belief that he already had exploded once again in shouts and more praises and more thanksgiving because he already had evidence that he had seen that it was true and Jesus was capable of it. I'd love to believe, I'd love to just see that Samaritan's face when he heard that Jesus rose from the dead. And this week... If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, believing in his power and his identity, trusting that he saved you, I pray that you would turn from your sin as this church is trying daily to do in order to honor Jesus and follow him. This holy week, this Easter, 
can be the most meaningful week of your life. You will be saved just like this Samaritan leper, and for the first time in your life, credit will be given where credit is truly due to Jesus. Let us help you with this decision. Let us walk with you as you trust in Jesus for his life and forgiveness. And if you have already trusted him, remember to reflect deeply and intentionally on Jesus this week. Remember how Jesus healed you like he healed me, just like he healed the leper, and let your worship be renewed this holy week. Jesus is the healing king to whom all thanks and praise is due from all people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We acknowledge it. And we give you thanks and praise for all that you have done. Father, we thank you for the Son. We thank you for your plan. We thank you for how you have given us every good gift found in Jesus. That he is capable of healing our diseases, our physical diseases. And he has done that for some of us. But for all of us who will repent and offer to, and honor you with our lives and trust in Jesus, you have offered spiritual healing, and I pray that all of us would take advantage of that wonderful healing today, because it is the most important healing that we can receive. Lord, I pray that we would keep our eyes on Jesus, that they would not waver to one side or the other, but that we would keep our eyes on that great treasure named Jesus and live our lives for him I say this for my own correction, and I say it for the correction of those of us who are here with remaining sin. Reveal our sins to us, Lord, so that we can turn from them and honor you. Be glorified in our lives as we turn our eyes to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And would you stand with us as we sing?
Church, remember our Monday Thursday service where we will partake in the Lord's Supper together. Remember it on Thursday at 7 p.m. We would love to worship with each and every one of you. Uh, and I believe that is it. Revelation 1, 5b through 6 is our closing doxology. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We love you. Go in peace.